Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth. For the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Potterburn. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. What's going on, guys? It's another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Josh Marlowe <laughs> alongside you. And you may be wondering why we're on here on a Sunday night. And uh, it's really because we just can't wait until Monday night to talk about this game. Um, there's there's a lot to get out. And we feel like it's the appropriate time to go ahead and get it out of the way. Also, you know, we got a lot of stuff that we got to do for the uh, upcoming basketball season that starts. So, a lot of additions of that podcast going to be coming out over the next weeks. So we figured, why not get on here tonight and uh, let some emotion out because Carolina um, is is where we were hoping they would not be exiting this game. And, um, you know, we got to get on here and, and try to figure out what the hell is going on with Toriel football yet again and why this seems to be happening every single year that Mac Brown uh, is the coach here in uh, in the Mac Brown 2.0 era. Um and, I mean, tons to talk about tonight. Um, first of all, Carolina loses the game 46-42. to 42. Uh, The most important storyline that comes out of this game, though, is Tez Walker getting hurt and having to be taken to an area hospital. Um, that day, it seems like that was for precautionary reasons. That was uh, something that was revealed uh, in the postgame uh, by the program. I, I think it was actually a little bit after Mac Brown's postgame that they did confirm that. Um, but it was confirmed today that he uh, was released from the hospital, was flying back. R.L. Bynum, who does a great job covering uh, not only Tar Heel football and basketball, but does a great job covering all Tar Heel sports for uh, his own website. The Tar Heel Tribune actually uh, reported that first this morning from the airport uh, that Tez was actually on his flight, his commercial flight back uh, into Raleigh, Durham this morning. So the good news is, is that everything seems to be all right with him, hopefully. Mac Brown will have some sort of update on him tomorrow 
when he speaks to the media. And uh, hopefully it is a good update, especially with all that Tez has been through to try to get on the field. Now, let's talk about what actually happened on the field uh, on Saturday night uh, outside of that. And, uh, well, I'm going to tell you, if the Tar Heels only had to play the first and third quarters of this game, they would have been in a great spot. Um, Carolina dominated those two quarters, but forgot that there were two other quarters that had to be played, apparently, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Carolina uh, just gets absolutely destroyed uh, in the second and fourth quarters. I mean, what, been, what, what an absolute embarrassment um, from Carolina. Uh, and this is, this is the, the most damning thing, is that Carolina was up double digits three separate times in this game. So last year, Carolina loses the way that they do um, after being up 17-0. But it was one of those things where once Georgia Tech took the lead, that was it. In this game, Carolina was up double digits three different times. They were up 14-0 at one point. They went up 35-24. to And then even after Georgia Tech responds with a touchdown and a two-point conversion to cut it to 35-32, Carolina then responds with a uh, Doc Chapman touchdown, the first of his career, to make it 42-32. to And yet somehow Carolina still is not able to close it out this is the third straight loss to a Georgia Tech program that, while well, look, they are starting to play better under Brent Key. He has done a great job in ranked games at, at Georgia Tech. Uh, he's 4-0 against ranked ACC opponents. That was something I think the other night um, I misread that stat. I think someone may have actually put it out on social media incorrect at the time that he was 4-0 against ranked. It's ranked ACC opponents that he is now four and zero against um and, and this is you know sadly not only is it the third straight loss against georgia tech it's the third straight time that carolina has scored first in those games and lost and the second straight year where they had uh a two possession lead or bigger and found a way to lose this is another Double-digit favorite loss for Carolina. They were 11.5-point favorites coming into this game. That's the seventh time that has happened now in the last four years. And I put it out on social media, and I know a lot of people are pretty angry about it, but here's the thing. Um, I, I got to be honest. I don't see any way that it can't be. Um, I, I, I think right now with the, the way that things look, Unless there is a drastic change, this looks a lot like last year. And if it is going to end up being a lot like last year, I think it's probably the beginning of the end of the Mac Brown era. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that a, a little bit later uh, in the edition. You know, the the thing you look at at last night, I think, is really what's what's really held the program back. Really really forever, and that there's just a mentality that doesn't – that or a lack of mentality that exists within the, the locker room, within the coaching staff, really within the program from top to bottom, to really to just get over the hump and, and, and to really be able to, to, to move on from one bad loss. If you look at, you know, the – I guess the history and the lineage of the program – Every year really seems to be derailed by one loss that turns into two, that turns into three, and it turns an entire season sideways. And, you know, look, I picked Carolina to lose going into the game because I didn't like the mentality that was being uh, preached by the head coach. 
Um, you know, when you lose at home to one in five Virginia, it's okay to have a little panic in your voice. And instead, Mac Brown took the optimist approach and said, look, a lot of teams around the country lost that same weekend. We're, we're not, you know, we're, we're in the same position they are. No one lost at home to one in five Virginia. Um, and, and then so Carolina had to find a way to respond. And I thought that the other way the first quarter played, I thought they had responded. I thought, okay, Tar Heel fan bought back in because I'm like, man, the defense has come out to play. Chip Lindsey put together the right type of game plan against the worst against the worst run, the, the worst run defense Carolina's going to see all year. And then it just and, – and in one quarter, all goes to shambles. And I think we all knew with the way the second quarter played, Carolina was going to be in for a dogfight the rest of the way. And, um, you know, even when they got up double digits twice more in the second half, it just – it never felt like they could put – they could put someone away. This game felt a lot like what we watched a year ago, where it felt like every time Carolina had the ball, they had to score – because from the second quarter on, and even though the defense didn't give up any points in the third quarter, it was a reflection of they just well, they weren't on the field long enough to. Like, you give Georgia Tech another drive, Georgia Tech probably scores. It was just one of those games. I know Max said it felt like App State, um, and in a lot of ways he's right. But um, it's really disappointing that this group that's been together for, for three years has really watched the same thing happen to this same Georgia Tech team and program three straight years, and they, they're not – whether they care enough to, to put a stop to it, whether they, they, they're they good enough to stop it, I don't know. But we're sitting here once again scratching our heads because Carolina's in a position where, quite frankly, they shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just that they don't seem to learn lessons, it seems, with this team. You know, last week we, they, were, they were preached to about – you know, don't don't bite the poison cheese. Don't, you know, buy into what everybody's saying about you and find a way to navigate a trap game. They couldn't do it. This week, you know, he takes the approach, as you said, of, of trying to say, look, it's one game, basically. It, let's just, you know, we, we can shake it off. We still have a chance to have a really good season. And, you know, look, I, I got to be honest. I thought it was maybe the right mindset to take just because, you know, everybody else was kind of beating you down, including us. And we're allowed to do that because, hey, that was one of the worst losses, if not the worst loss in program history. So, yeah, of course we were going to be angry as fans. But that's the thing is that, again, the other night, I'm, I'm with you. I felt like, okay, they, they came out and I really thought, Oh, this is a team that's locked in. This is a team that's ready to go. They came out running the ball. I thought the offensive game plan right out of the gate was phenomenal. Yep. Run it until they stop you, and mm-hmm. it worked. And Carolina went down the field and and, and really got it rolling. Um, I, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it. And I, I didn't want to make this the first point because I hate making this the first point. And I will say that this is not the reason why Carolina lost this game. But it certainly was a factor, and you do wonder what the game would look like if this doesn't happen. The phantom holding call on, on Diego Pounce changed the whole game because Carolina was, was driving with the ball. That, that, with that catch by Bryson Nesbitt on that third and nine, Carolina would have been at the Georgia Tech 36 and would have continued to roll 
And there's a good chance that they would have potentially scored to make it a 21-0 game or at least make it 17-0. And I know 17-0 didn't mean anything last year, so it wouldn't have meant that the game was over. But you really do wonder how much different the game actually is if that penalty call doesn't get called. That was just one of the worst. I mean, there have been some really bad calls that I've seen. I That might be the worst. This might seem like an over-exaggeration. That might be the worst call I've ever seen in sports. There was no moment where Diego Pounds ever grabbed him. That was simply an outstanding job pass protecting where he just did enough because initially he, I I forget if it was a blitzing linebacker or what happened. Initially, he was helping, uh, he was helping the left guard with the interior defensive lineman. It looked like this, you know, this blitzer came a little bit late. He does a great job of shifting getting his hands on him with his with his left hand and is able to knock him to the ground. That is textbook pass protection, especially on a late blitz. And yet somehow they throw the flag on that play. And after that play, it was as if the life just got taken out of Carolina, um, especially for some reason on the defensive side of the ball because Carolina, the next three drives, Georgia Tech scores on all three drives. That seemed to give them life. And then from there – the Yellow Jackets were in the game the entire night. So, look, the refereeing was not the reason why Carolina lost this game, but that's a brutal, brutal penalty call by the ACC officials that Matt Brown should be absolutely furious with. It's it's why I've argued in really the last three to five years, penalties should be challengeable or reviewable. Um and let's let's live in a hypothetical world where you can challenge or re, you know review a fit, uh, penalties. If that would have been challenged or reviewed, and the same call would have would have stayed, um, every single member of that crew would have deserved to be fired. There's no denying officiating was bad last night. All around, there were some brutal calls on Carolina um, that did not help them. But at some point, you've got to be able to overcome that. And there is a lack of mental toughness that exists within this program where the second a bad call happens, a bad play happens, no matter what it is, we crumble and fall. Well, how do you go from how do you go from good to great if that happens? Because I watch great teams that get that that great teams. Yes, they get most of the times they get the calls, but Great teams also overcome bad officiating. Now, Georgia does it. Bama's done it. Their, their run, Ohio State, Michigan, whatever whatever Clemson, whatever school you want to look at, you're going to overcome officiating because officials are human. They're going to screw up. They're going to make mistakes. you got to be able to overcome that. And, and for whatever reason, this team, this program can't. And it's, it's, it's really mind-blowing. Because it happened the week before against Virginia, which was, yeah, it was a bad holding call, but it shouldn't take away what you're trying to do. And then what happened last night was, frankly, inexcusable. I don't know how a holding call on offense derails your effort defensively. I I, I really don't. But, like, you look at the correlation of the penalty and then what happened, (laughs) you could tell that that call took the the gas or or, or took the fire out of Carolina's defense. And so I think that's something where – you know, where we want to hold these coaches accountable, where all Mac Brown talked about all offseason was going from good to great, good to great, good to great. 
Great teams are mentally tough. They're able to battle through adversity. They're able to respond after something bad happens. And I think we've learned the last two weeks this team doesn't have the they, – they don't have the makeup to respond when the going gets tough. Well, that's because, honestly, they're not even good. Like, we said good to great. I mean, is this team is this team even good? Like you, you, you lost to two teams that are at the bottom of the, the the bottom of the barrel in the ACC. Like, I, I just I don't know, man. I I don't know how you talk about great. That shouldn't even be brought up. And I don't even know at this point how you say that you're good. Um, I mean, you look, look at look at what has happened to you the last two weeks to subpar opponents. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's a mentality thing. And I mean, look, you know, Greg Newman brings up another one, you know, the the the, P, the clear pass interference that, that was missed on Tez Walker. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. But the thing is, is that, yeah, those moments happen. It happens to every team. You have to be able to adjust. And we saw this so much from this team last year, where when things would go wrong in any capacity for this team, this it, they, they would crumble. And... I mean, you saw it in, in 2021, too. This year, we thought, okay, first six games, it was different. Because there were moments like this in the first six games where Carolina had points where things could have gone could have gone off the rails and Carolina could have fallen apart. And they didn't. They did a great job of finding their footing again and responding, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You're right. I don't understand how two penalties or, or, or you know, one penalty – that gets called on you on the offensive side. Another one that doesn't get called on you on the offensive side seems to have a more negative effect on your defense than it does your offense. And maybe it's because it puts the defense back out there quicker because Carolina went three and out on the, on the Bryson Nesbitt uh, one on that play that got called back. And they also went three and out on, on the non-pass interference call on Tez Walker. But at the same time, I mean, you just have to be able to respond. And, I mean, look, they didn't, and it continues to show the issue with this team for the better part of the last three years is that they just, when these moments happen, there is no way for them to respond, especially once you get later in the season. Early in the year, it feels like, for some reason, they have the energy to be able to respond. But once they get later in the season, I don't know if they get worn down mentally. I have no idea. But whenever that happens, it's almost like they're thinking the same thing that Tar Heel fans are thinking. Oh, no, here we go again. And speaking of that mindset, that's where we're at defensively now. Remember how how excited we were feeling just a few days ago? I mean, it was about 10 days ago where we were, you know, doing the midseason awards where we were putting out the midseason grades and everything was feeling good defensively. We felt, okay, this defense has taken major strides from a year ago. Well, the last two weeks, that has been completely flushed down the toilet. Um, this has been just a complete disaster for Carolina in the last two weeks. And 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 the uh, and, and last night was as bad as it gets. Um, this This was almost as bad as the bowl game against Baylor with how bad this defense looked, especially late in the game. They allowed 300, uh, excuse me, 635 yards of total offense to Georgia Tech. All 46 points and 
37 of those 635 yards came in the second and fourth quarter. So that means that in the first and third quarters, Carolina allowed zero points and 98 yards of total offense to Georgia Tech. But in the two quarters that really matter the most, Carolina allowed 46 points and 537 yards. I mean, I just, I don't even know what the hell to say about that. And in the fourth quarter, Carolina, and I get it, they were on the field a ton a week ago at Virginia. Uh, I, I mean, it felt like they were on the field a lot in that second quarter. The other, in, in this game against Georgia Tech. But you were only on the play on the field for six plays in the third quarter. You had time to rest, and yet you somehow allow 246 yards rushing, including 11.2 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. It's pathetic. It's I mean, it's it's as bad as it's been. I mean, this this is like I said, the game that comes to mind with what you saw in that fourth quarter was the bowl game back in 2015 against Baylor. That is, a, I mean, about as bad of run defense as we have seen in a long, long time. And there's no excuse for it. The players have to be better. The coaches have to be better. And now we're at a point where this defense is right back to where we've been the last few years, where it's a liability until they prove otherwise. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand how after last night's performance, Gene Chizik is still employed. And I don't know if that's really an overreaction. You weren't good defensively a year ago. Um, you started out the first part of the year strong and then back-to-back weeks. I mean, you've – and now look, we knew Georgia Tech's offense was good. We knew that the game was probably going to be a shootout because that's how they've won a majority of their games because Haynes Kings has proven to be – a very, you know, exceptional quarterback. But what happened last night was was inexcusable. You've got a third and three in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. You know they're going to run the ball because they've ran it on you the whole quarter, and you're in the nickel? That's that's poor coaching. And, you, like, I know that on a fourth and two earlier in the game or whatever it was, they hit the wheel right out, the wheel right out of the backfield for a touchdown. Georgia Tech wasn't going to throw the ball in the situation because they didn't have to. And, and so that's poor coaching. The, this defensive line, I mean, they, they, they got washed more than my laundry gets washed every week. They're, they, they were getting pushed back, not, not even to just the second level. And in the third level, our defense. I thought virtually every player up front last night was, was pathetic. I thought every player was, was awful. I thought Miles Murphy – um, let you know. Did, I mean, did on, he even play? Why he, he, was he wasn't even out there? He didn't was, do anything. Was, was mind blowing. Kevin Hester Jr. I thought was terrible. Um, there was one player, I believe it was Travis Shaw, that literally got blocked into the ground. I mean, literally just got per, put into the turf, like it, like it didn't even matter. And and so, um, and what really sucks is as much as anything, I believe the defense was better. I thought they had turned the corner. I thought they had become the type of unit we wanted them to be and what we needed them to be. And the last two weeks, that all went up in smokes. And, um, you know, it's really frustrating because, you know, Cedric Gray and Power Eccles, those two dudes played their butt off last night. But as we stressed all year going into the season and during the season, 
None of this matters if the front four isn't better. And when the front four isn't good, this defense, no matter how much talent exists in the back seven, it it gets exposed left and right. I mean, look, the defensive front. I mean, the the, the edge guys can can rush the quarterback. They've got that down. They they get they brought pressure at times last night again. But it doesn't matter if if when late in the game. I mean, literally, Georgia Tech just went into a, a, a basically running their old offense that they had under Paul Johnson. Now, it wasn't the triple option, but literally every play they called was, hey, we're just going to run the football. And why wouldn't you? Because Carolina could not stop them. They did exact. They did to you what you were supposed to do to them the entire night. And, I mean, look, I get it. The, the, this run defense was not great coming in. But I did not see, I, I did not see this coming. I really did not. I mean, last week was an absolute embarrassment. I thought there would be a response, and there wasn't. I mean, this was – I mean, I can't remember a, a a performance this bad in run defense outside of that, that bowl game that I talked about. I mean, you allowed 348 rushing yards on the ground to this team. Like, we knew that they could they could hurt you through the air. We knew that was something that they have they have gotten a lot better at this year. And I know they have a running game that that has had some moments this year, but I never would have imagined that in the fourth quarter they would just be able to run the football at will for an, an average of over 10 yards per carry. Like, it's unbelievable. And everything they did, I mean, you, you talk about them – running the read option. Every time they ran it, it worked to perfection. Carolina could not find a way to guess right. It just, I mean, it's as frustrating as it gets. And look, you said Power Eccles and Cedric Gray, they played hard. Yeah, they played hard, but they sure didn't play great. They missed a ton of tackles last night too. Power Eccles, Cedric Gray, both guys overrunning things in the hole. But as you said, it shouldn't really, it, it, that shouldn't have to be the case. You got to win up front. People were complaining as it went as we went through the night. Well, why aren't they rotating? Guys, they rotated every player they had up front. Everybody in on the interior of that defensive line just got bullied. They they just they they had nothing for this team late in the game. And I just to me, and and Tim Hasselback kept saying it over and over again on the broadcast how everybody's getting worn down. Dude, Tim, these are not guys that are playing. 80 snaps a game. Now, Cayman Rucker is, and it it would be amazing if you could find somebody that could give him a little bit of a rest at some point because, yeah, Cayman Rucker's a great pass rusher, but he, he's not the greatest run defender. He has struggled to seal the edge. Now, granted, so is everybody else. It's not just his problem, but I think that's probably the one thing that you'd have to do. But in terms of the interior of the defensive line, guys, they're rotating. They just... They don't have anybody that's ready to step up and actually play football in the fourth quarter. It just wasn't there. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, you said, you know, a lot of the blame has to go on Gene Chizik, and I get that. Um, in terms of the scheme, don't really know what to tell you. They're not gonna put they're not gonna put another linebacker in the box. They wouldn't know how to line up. They've never run that. That doesn't exist in modern college football. It doesn't. Nobody runs three linebackers anymore. Nobody does that in the NFL. You have to have safeties that actually know how to come down into the box 
and tackle. And it, speaking of rotation, one of my biggest issues with them defensively last night, I didn't get this. This was early in the game. They started rotating guys in the secondary way too much. I didn't understand it at all. They rotated the safeties, which made no sense to me. Geo Biggers, Stick Lane started the game, were playing great. They should have been in there until they proved to you that they needed to come out of the game. Don't really understand why Carolina went to anybody else because they bring Don Chapman onto the field. And look, Don Chapman made a great play later in the game. But when he comes into the game early in the first half, they let up a long touchdown. I just, to me, it, it, the, the, the strategy makes no sense. And then a mistake by Marcus Allen, I guess somewhere along the way, they take him off the field and put Tayon Holloway in there. Look, man, Tayon Holloway did some good things in fall camp for you. We heard a lot about him. He is still at least a year away. He is he has proven to you he is not ready right now. You cannot put him out there. He picks up the pass interference penalty. He gets burned on another long play. You cannot have that dude on the field. It cannot happen. It just, it's, you got to stick with Marcus Allen on the outside and Armani Chapman. Both of those guys have proven to you they can get it done. And I mean, look, I, I, I know, you know, they, they, they like some things that they saw from Holloway, but where is Legend Cavazos? Is he playing that bad? That in, in, Is he that bad in practice that we honestly can't get him out there on the field? Because, I mean, dude, Holloway is is getting beat a lot like some of those guys from last year. So they got to figure something out. But uh, overall, I mean, yeah, I think it's a, it's a mix of the coaching and the execution. But I got to be honest, I think the player execution is just is, is the biggest problem. The last two weeks, I have been absolutely floored with how bad Carolina has been up front the last two weeks. And maybe I shouldn't be because of who's coaching them, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's it's really it's really just just mind blowing, Be, because I don't know if another program in the country that like is relative to Carolina deals with this this crap. Literally, it's been it's been over a decade now. Well, the, the other that, problem is look at the talent that you're bringing in. These guys are four and five star prospects, mm-hmm. and I mean. What are the recruiting services just that off on these guys? I don't get it. I don't understand. What am I missing? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I know I've tried telling you for the better part of two years. I think the talent is for the mo- the most part overrated, but it, it's it's only overrated because it's not being it's not being developed and. Um, you know, look, Mac Brown, while he decided to make a change with, with Dre Bly, um, for some reason stuck it out for a guy like Tim Cross. And I know Tim Cross from the recruiting standpoint plays a big role for Carolina, but so did Dre Bly and Dre Bly is a former all American, one of the best players your program's ever produced. And you were able to have that hard conversation with him and say, look, man, it's, it's in the best interest that we go our separate ways. And for the before last week, you could argue that they that that move had been justified, and even still, so I think the the corner play has been much better without Dre Bly, and so that that's that's got to be a move that that simply it just has to it just has to be made because he's not he's not getting the most out of what he's been given, and he's been given more than what recent defensive line coaches have been given, um, and that's the real frustrating thing, and so. 
you know, it's it's just I mean, last night it was just a comedy of errors from all involved defensively, from players to coaches to, you know, the, the execution, the lack of execution, the inability to not commit penalties when you couldn't, you know, when you can't afford to commit penalties. And it was really and it was in 30 minutes, 30 minutes, not 60. It wasn't from the word go. They just got off the bus sucking. No, it was in the middle part and, and the, the, the the second quarter and the fourth quarter. They just forgot how to play defense. Um, and frankly, I've seen a lot watching this program play football for over 15 years. I haven't seen a team look that good in one quarter or in two quarters and look as equally bad in the others. I've, I've literally, I've never, it's like a video game. We're like, you know, you play great, then you don't play great. That's what it felt like last night. And unfortunately, we can't, you know, rage quit and restart the game because um, the final horn blew in Carolina 6-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, I mean, it's shocking. It's shocking where this defense is at from just a few weeks ago. Um, and I, I don't I don't know how they swing it back in the right direction. Because, I mean, as you as – you referenced earlier the game that Mac Brown was talking about. He said, like, last week's game was App State of this year. Carolina just didn't win it. This this week's game and what he was referring to in the press conference was App State from last year, and Carolina didn't win it. And guess what? What was What is the game that they pointed to and said was the downfall of that defense a year ago? That game against App State. When you give up 246 rushing yards and 22 points in the in, in, in the fourth quarter, how the hell are you recovering from that? I have no idea. I mean, it's not up to me to figure it out. Thank God. But, I mean, is there anybody that has faith that this staff's going to figure it out, how to do that? They couldn't last year. So, I have no idea. Another thing that's been an issue, we talked about the penalty earlier on against uh, against Diego Pounds. But outside of that, even still, we had talked so much about how Carolina had been a much more disciplined team. And we said, after the game against Miami, you cannot let this snowball. This can't be something that carries on throughout the rest of the season. Well, it has. Carolina just continues to struggle. Eight penalties, 65 yards last night. And again, it feels like we are back to exactly where we've been at in recent years with Carolina, where it isn't even the number of penalties that Carolina takes, but it feels like Carolina takes big penalties at just the worst times. And that's what it felt like again last night, um, where Carolina just could not find a way to, find a way to get out of its own way, and penalties was a big part of it. This is something that this staff has to get figured out. If the Carolina wants to try to turn this around, they've got to find a way to be more disciplined. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's something that's got to be coached out of them. And that should have been something that was uh, really focused on during practice. And and then really it comes down to if, they, if, it, if the same thing happens when you get into um, – the, the playing the the, the, the game, you, you take them off the field. Um, because unlike in basketball, where like if you commit so many fouls, you literally get taken out of the game, doesn't happen in football unless you commit a targeting penalty or two unnecessary roughness penalties. So if you fall start seven times, you're just going to let you fall start an eighth time. 
And at some point, there's got to be some accountability from the staff that's going to that we're going to take you off the field. And maybe we'll 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 lose with a lesser talented player, but maybe a guy who's not who's not going to commit penalties. And so, um, the thing about it is penalties are kind of like turnovers; they come in bunches. Um, and so usually, if you you know if they if they go out next week and they play a relatively clean game, that probably means they'll play a clean game the next couple of weeks. But um, you know, the Miami game, you were able to overcome that. You weren't able to overcome it against Virginia. And then you weren't able to overcome it uh, uh, against Georgia Tech. Another sign that this program still has a ways to go if they want to go from good to great, like they talked about all offseason long. Uh, again, I said it earlier. I think at this point you have to ask if you're even good. I mean, I just it, all these things stack up to a team that is rather mediocre. And that's kind of where it feels like Carolina is at right now. Another sign of that is the special teams woes, and they showed up again in in big spots. Carolina, third blocked punt of the season. Now, the good news is is that after that, Don Chapman comes up with the interception, but, I mean, how is it that you have three punts blocked already at this point of the season? I mean, I, I cannot remember a time where Carolina had this many punts blocked in a full season, let alone with you sitting here after just eight games this year. And not to mention, look, he's been great since he's had to step in against Minnesota, but Noah Burnett missed his first field goal in a crucial spot last night. And you just wonder, is this now the beginning of the end for him too this season? I hope not. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write him off. I think, you know, it's it, it, ultimately, it wouldn't have mattered because Georgia Tech would have driven down and scored a touchdown anyways. So it wouldn't have really made much of a difference. But for him to miss in that spot, it really does bring back those memories of what happened last year. And you're hoping that it won't it it, it won't snowball on him like it has with the punt blocks. Yeah, I mean, I think three punt blocks in eight games will tell you that we're gonna have a new special teams coordinator. Uh Again, Again, Chapel Hill, assuming that Mac Brown is uh, retained as the, the Carolina head coach. Don't get me wrong. The missed field goal, bad. Like, I mean, you can't make a 39-yarder. There, there's a problem. I also don't think Carolina should have kicked the field goal. I know it was, I think, fourth and seven. Um, and, you know, I know Sparky Woods and his analytics would have told you to take the three. I think as a fan, I would have lived – with Carolina going and not converting as opposed to trotting out a field goal kicker to miss a relatively makeable kick. And if Carolina converts, you know, with where the clock was and everything and where you were on the field, depending on how much yardage you gained, you could have really dictated the final outcome. And you got a guy like Drake may, I, you know, I don't think fourth and seven, fourth and seven should have, should, should have deterred you, but you know, there's a reason why they're called special teams. Um, because ultimately they determine the the special teams and the non-special teams. I've, I've referenced this really for years now. You look at teams that compete for conference championships, look at teams that compete for playoff berths, teams that compete for New Year's Six Bowl games. They don't have special teams. Uh, they, they don't have special teams unit or bad special teams units. Um, and I, bad might be too harsh of a word to say for Carolina right now. But it's, it's inconsistent, 
And, and last night, you know, you had a, you had one of your up men literally move out of the way and allow a punt to be blocked. I don't know if that happened because he just thought in his head the ball was already gone. He just he, he just doesn't know what he was what he was supposed to be doing. Honestly, you know. Um, but not that they. It didn't directly cost Carolina the game, but it indirectly cost Carolina the game, and that's still something we've said far too often under Mac Brown 2.0. Well, I mean, yeah, no, it didn't directly cost Carolina the game because they get a turnover. Like, yeah, that was far from what cost them the game, but it's just that it's another occurrence of this. Like, how did how has this not been adjusted that you have three of these in the same year? That's the reason I brought that up. If this would have been the first one of the year, honestly, probably don't even bring it up because I thought that got that got balanced out by Doc Chapman's return that set up his eventual touchdown. That that well, was and, that was a great moment. And then didn't they also give up a kickoff return for a touchdown against Pittsburgh? They did. Yeah, so they've had trouble three, with that all year. Yeah, you're talking about three punt blocks and a kickoff return for a touchdown that you've let up. I, you know, if it was one, okay, no harm, no foul. You've had four crucial mistakes in terms of the punting and your kickoff return game that you just simply can't afford to have. I mean, yeah. not, you, you know, because Carolina is still not at a point yet to where they can overcome those types of miscues. No, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it. It's a team that's that doesn't have the mental stability that you need to be able to overcome that and and yet it keeps happening happening over and over again on special teams like at some point it's just it's got to get solved and it's like you said how many different special teams coordinators are you going to go through it's time like, to bring back larry fedora man you know, i mean I, dude, I there's people that want to bring him back as the head coach because they've got their heads up their asses like <laughs> I, I mean i, I just I don't really understand. And don't worry, we're we're getting to the head coach conversation. That's that's happening here in a minute. But yeah, the last thing that I want to say about this game is look, this this game really sucks because I thought offensively Carolina did about as much as they could have done in this game. I mean, yeah, there were some three and outs out there. It wasn't the perfect game, but I mean, at this like what do you expect from this team? Are we back to this point? where now this team literally has to score on every single drive? Like, I mean, good God, man. I thought we left that in the past. But yet here we are when you score 42 points in a game. Drake May, look, he didn't throw the ball a lot, but I'll be damned if the guy didn't look really good last night. 17 to 25, 310 and three touchdowns? I mean, how much more can you really ask from this dude? The running game, we asked them, come out with a game plan to run the football and don't stop running it until they prove to you that they can stop it. And look, they did a better job of stopping it later in the game, and that's part of the reason why Carolina wasn't running it the way that they had been throughout the night, but they still ran it for 267 yards, 153 of those, two touchdowns on the ground for Amari and Hampton. You had 58 from Drake May on the ground and 56 from British Brooks. Carolina's offensive game plan was phenomenal. You have to give Chip Lindsey a ton of credit for doing exactly what we asked him to do and responding. But once again, Drake May has to be sitting on the sidelines with his hands in his head or his head in his hands, rather, uh, and saying to himself, 
what the hell kind of defense am I getting? Why can't they help me out? And why the hell am I getting screwed? Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 unfortunate because I, I thought, you know, from the word go, it was maybe the best game plan Chip Lindsey had put together. Because you came out and you ran the ball with Amari Hampton more on the first drive of the game than the entire second half last week against Virginia. So you thought you had learned. I thought Drake May was the Drake that we expected him to see. I mean, there was maybe one to two throws he really missed all night. Um, and, and some of the some of the touchdown throws he he made were were, were really, really good. Um, if Bryson Nesbitt doesn't get afraid of getting hit, you know, there was another big class pass play there to be had. So the offense was explosive. It was dynamic. Um, I thought when the game was when we made it 42 to 32. I think, yeah, we made it 42 to 32. We scored on the second play. I looked at my dad and I said, because I, I forget, did we stop them? Did we stop them? Or was, was that after the kickoff return? No matter what it was, there was over 10 minutes to go to the game. And I said, they've got to take the air out of the ball. Like, and I know it's hard, mm-hmm. but that's where it felt like last year where Phil Longo never understood, dude, my defense is finished. It's tired. I know I want points, but I've got to go do something. And you're not going to turn down going up 10 points again. But Carolina scores on a second play of the drive to make it a 10-point game. And then two minutes later, it's a 42-39 game again. All that to be said, the the, the offense was sensational. You can't get mad at the, the fumble that Tez Walker had because how many players ever hold on the ball when they take that type of hit? I mean, the guy had to go to the hospital after the hit. Like, I mean, if you're if you're complaining about that turnover, I, I don't know how to help you. There's so you on. know this is one where even though Carolina scored 27 points a week ago, and the defense gave up 31, Carolina's offense was a big reason why they lost the mm-hmm. game to Virginia. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case last night. I thought Carolina's offense maybe looked as good as it's looked all year long in the run game, the pass game the way that it was efficient, the way it had the big playability when it needed to hit a big play. And and, on, and ultimately, you know, 42 on the road should get the job done. Um, like Rodney Cobb pointed out, our, our, our good buddy Tanner Cobb's father. But um, it's just it's just simply not the case. And, you know, that's why I said I don't know how in the hell Gene Chizik's employed because it's, 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 it's inexcusable for this to happen back-to-back weeks after such a strong start. Uh, coming off the year you had last year where we, we lived every game in a 45-40 shootout, it felt like. Yeah, and and look, this game is emblematic of the thing that we've been talking about so much that we were hoping would not happen, but it's happening again. Carolina's wasting another great quarterback. And this one might be even more egregious than the last one. Like, I, I mean, I, I cannot believe that this is actually happening, that you've got this generational of a guy. I mean – some of the throws that Drake May made last night are the reason why there is an argument for him to go number one overall. This dude just has it. He does. And he did everything that he possibly could to lead you to victory last night. And you let him down again. You keep doing it to him. And, I mean, my God. Like, I, I know, you know, people are pissed at me because – they are they cannot believe that I think that after two losses this team is spiraling and going downhill. But I mean, let's be honest here. 
you lost your two easiest games remaining on the schedule outside of Campbell. The three games that you have at the end of the year were the toughest conference games remaining on your schedule at the halfway point of the season. And you lost both of them in embarrassing fashion. And now you have to find a way to rally and try to beat a Duke team that still is probably going to feel like they have something to play for, whether they do or not. You're going to have to find a way to beat a Clemson team who may need to beat you to make a freaking bowl game. And look, all the losing they've been doing, guess what? Any of that coming at home, by the way? No, they're losing all their games on the road. So they still are going to be a tough team to beat there. And then an NC State team that, I mean, is is going to be loving it. Who knows what they're going to be by the time they get there? I mean, they're five and three. I mean, that team could somehow win eight games, which if they win more games than you, that's pathetic. That's absolutely pathetic. And if this team finishes seven and five, and Rodney Cobb sent this in. Appreciate you watching as always, Rodney. Hope you're doing well, man. Uh, miss miss uh, talking to you. And, of course, uh, wish Tanner was uh, here with us to uh, complain about all this. And he says, lower your expectations. Let's get to our uh, six, seven wins and go to a bowl. That's what we are. Accept it. I get it, man. I get it. You could say that we can accept that as a program. But when you recruit these types of players, when you have a quarterback that is this good, you can't accept that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to. And I didn't accept it when Sam, when, when that team somehow only won six games in his final year, and I sure as hell am not going to accept it this year with a guy that's as good as Drake May, the offensive talent that he's got around him, which you could argue is better than the offensive talent as a whole that, that Sam had around him in his final year. I mean, this is just ridiculous, and it's it's at the point where I'm I'm angry. Like before, you could say, okay, well, you know, they they had a down year in 2021, but hey, at least they had that run to the Orange Bowl in 2020. Here's the thing: what does Drake May have to show for it? A, a, an appearance in the ACC title game. This team should have been in a New Year's Six bowl with this type of player. And they had everything in front of them after a 6-0 and start. And yet somehow we're sitting here with Carolina probably staring down another mid-level bowl game and potentially staring down seven, maybe eight wins this season. I just, I, I can't accept it. I can't do it. It's, um, it's frustrating. Because you're not going to get anyone better. Well, I mean, like, we knew Drake had a chance to be better than Sam because you don't go, you don't get, you don't, you don't commit to Alabama by accident. This is as good as we're ever going to have it from a quarterback standpoint. You've got, you put a guy in the NFL who's making a case to be the future of the, the Washington Commanders and Sam Howell. You got Drake May, who at worst is going to be the second quarterback taken and the NFL draft next next spring. And all you have to show for it is a blowout a blowout loss in the Orange Bowl to Texas A&M that mind you in a normal full college football season who knows if Carolina ends up in the New Year's Six bowl game to begin with. You just don't know. 
and a blowout in the ACC title game to a non-Trevor Lawrence-led Clemson team. Like, if you would have gotten blown out by a Trevor Lawrence ACC Clemson team, who would have complained? Those are some of the greatest teams we've ever seen in the history of college football. Now, you got blown out by arguably the worst ACC title game that Clemson's a uh, team that Clemson's ever had. And, and you didn't like you belonged from the middle of the first quarter on. And so, really, what you have when it's all said and done is great individual statistics and a lot of great memories that we'll have as Carolina fans, but not a whole lot of team success. The two things that those two dudes would trade their individual statistics for because those guys want to win. They grew up two hours away from your campus wanting to play in Keenan, wanting to wear that Carolina blue, knowing that, you know, and even when they signed up for it, they probably knew, hell, this ain't going to go well. Because history tells us it doesn't go well. They still came to your program. Drake May, who knows how much NIL he was offered to leave campus, stays because he believed and wants to win here. And you can't you can't do it for him. It's 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 maddening because this is this is it's not getting better after this. This is the peak of quarterback play. We're gonna get we're gonna get to experience in Chapel Hill. And barring, you know, you running the table, and I guess now you got to have some sort of help, you get back to an ACC title game. But am I supposed to think you could compete with Florida State? Because this FSU seems better than Clemson was a year ago when Clemson ran you off the field. Mm-hmm. And I think Florida State's one of the four best teams in the country. And in the back-to-back weeks, you've lost to one in five Virginia and a Georgia Tech team that lost at home to Bowling Green. And, and, and so, like, the only way to explain – the last five years of seeing great quarterback play not reach its full potential from a team success is Tar Heel football is going to Tar Heel football because we have done what we've done best, which is sit in mediocrity for the last five years. Yeah, we're just, I mean, we just, we spin our wheels with, with these great types of quarterbacks. And I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's been building because, I mean, even when you go back to TJ Yates, Carolina wasted him. You go to Brent Renner, Carolina wasted his career. Um, even, you know, Marquise Williams, that was the one guy that it looked like they actually, you know, were able to find a way to fulfill what we expected he could possibly be coming out of high school. And then Mitch Trubisky. Look at Mitch Trubisky's year, too. They start out so great, and then everything just falls apart. Like, I just don't get it. Why do we do this? And especially to Drake, man. It's just heartbreaking because Drake's a Carolina guy, man. He grew up. His dad was a quarterback for the team. His brother won a national title for the school. And, I mean, damn, you thought that this dude was going to have a chance to do something special. And he's doing his part. I know the game that he had against Virginia last week wasn't great, but it still wasn't bad enough to where Carolina should have lost that game. That the execution on defense was the biggest part of, of, of why Carolina didn't win that game last week, combined with the play calling on offense. It was not on Drake's shoulders. He's not a he's not the guy that is losing this team games. And for this to keep happening, and especially for it to happen to him, is just unbelievable. And I mean, dude, you're you're talking about if they find a way to get back and compete against Florida State. The sad part was. Eight days ago, heading into that game against Virginia, I, I mean, 
I and a lot of people would have told you I didn't think the gap was that far between Carolina and and Florida State because Florida State was coming off a stretch where they weren't playing great. Now, what's Florida State doing to inferior opponents? They just beat the living crap out of Wake Forest. What has Carolina done to inferior opponents? They've lost two in a row. I mean, it's just, it's pathetic. And in order to get back to the ACC title game, they're going to need a lot of help. And guess what? If you don't make it back to the ACC title game, in your quarterback's mind, it's a failure. He said so when he was at ACC Media Days. He said, make it back to the ACC championship game or it's a bust. Now, if they somehow run the table or even if they just lose one more game along the way and then win their bowl game and finish with 10 wins, it might be a little bit different. But here's the thing, and this is how we'll wrap it up. How are you supposed to feel confident that that's going to happen? Like, I know there are a lot of people that are still telling me, hold out the hope. This Toriel football team will find a way to turn it around. And look, I'm not going to get mad at you for thinking like that because I, brother and sisters, I wish I thought like that. I really do. Because it would probably be a much better life for me than it is with living with the way that I do right now with this Toriel football team and feeling like, this team is is falling apart yet again. But based off of what you saw last year, it is really hard to believe that this team is going to be able to turn around. Because last year, it was one bad loss that really turned everything. You could say that NC State was a bad loss too, but NC State was a rivalry game. So that one, it, you know, I'm not going to say it's understandable, but it's certainly more understandable than the one you suffered the other night. This one against Georgia Tech, you had to have it. You had to have it. And you could not find a way to get it done. And now you have two losses back-to-back that are terrible, and now you've got to try to find your footing. I just I, – I, I wish I could be positive, but at this point, I just – I don't know how you can be that Carolina doesn't finish this regular season 7-5. and five. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely feels that way, um, you know, because that, that Duke team is going to compete its tail off. Um, they're going to be one of the better defensive teams you've seen all year long. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, Clemson's going to be fighting for a bowl game, and it's not like they're losing games at home. And the, going to Death Valley, I mean, you can't go to – you can't go – you can't win at Georgia Tech. You think I expect you to go to one of the toughest venues in all college football and win? No. You can't win at home against Virginia. And, you know, and then you got the state game where we've literally invented ways to lose to them, it feels like. And so um, I think the thing that's the, the most frustrating is they preached it was different. We bought in it was different. Probably more than we ever had before, you know, because there's a saying that, you know, every year we get hyped, we buy in, we get disappointed. This year, I, n- I never really bought into the hype. But the way that they played, it allowed me to believe in it. And then when I don't expect them to let me down, because I, I I expected this to end the year. I thought nine and zero, we probably finished ten and two, maybe nine and three, because I thought you know before Bryant Leonard got hurt, Duke's really really good. Going to Clemson in and of itself is going to be a beast. And then with State, I just I, I don't know. Like I, I just frankly I don't trust my team to beat them. Um, and instead, we waited before then to, to fall flat on our face and disappoint. So, 
Um, you know, hopefully next week you write the ship at home against a Campbell team and see what you can do the final three games. Um, because I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know how you salvage this season. I, no matter, no matter even really how you slice it, this feels like another lost, another lost wasted season under Mac Brown. And we've said that too many times during his two stints in Chapel Hill. I, I, the only way to salvage it, it, it to me is to win 10 games. I mean, may, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's you win nine and you find a way to be, if, if you, if you find a way to beat Duke and state, I feel like most people would probably be satisfied with that. But then, I mean, if you do that, you, you probably want to be a little greedy and get that 10th win. That's, that's where you, that that's where you got to be at. And look, Campbell probably comes at the best possible time for you. That's the one sliver of hope that I have. Maybe that turn that maybe that is finally the thing that wakes the team back up. But I got to be honest, after last year and after what we've seen from Mac Brown and this coaching staff in years past, it's hard to feel overly confident that that's what's going to happen. But I mean, prove it to us. That's that's what I'm going to say. We said it's coming into the year that you had to prove to us that that this team was going to be different. Well, you did it for six games, and then all of a sudden you turn back into the team that we saw late last year. Now you've got to prove to us that you can find a way to not that that you're not last year's team. That you can find a way to get some footing and start clawing back and potentially get to nine. 10 wins this year and salvage something out of this season. Regardless, we'll have you covered on the website, heeltoughblog.com. Of course, tomorrow, Mac Brown does speak with the media. So we'll have an injury update for you guys. Stock report will be coming uh, later on in the week. But for now, make sure that you're on that website, reading that recap where I uh, have my takeaways from the game last night. Uh, make sure you do go in and take a look at those. Um, and in, in the meantime, uh, you know, after all that's done, we'll get you ready for the game against Campbell. We'll, of course, be back here on the podcast side of things. I believe Thursday is going to be the night that we're going to do the preview edition uh, of the pod for the Campbell game. Uh, so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that. On the basketball side of things, as I mentioned, it's going to be a packed week on the podcast side of things because Carolina is closing in. Uh, as of tomorrow, exactly a week away from the start of the college basketball season, they looked phenomenal in their exhibition against St. Augustine's University. Make sure you guys go back and check that out. We've got a recap up on the website. Josh wrote that for you as he breaks down uh, what was an impressive performance from a bunch of different guys. Uh, and, uh, of course, we'll be getting you ready throughout the week uh, with a preview of the team. Uh, we'll, we'll have – uh, all sorts of other stuff, bold predictions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll be going through that this week as we get you prepared. And then Josh will have you covered all throughout the season on the website uh, with previews and recaps of games. And then him and me will have you covered uh, over on the podcast side of things. That's the Four Corners podcast. You can check out some of the video editions that we'll be doing this year on the same places that uh, you're finding the Heel Tough blog podcast. Only difference is it will be his personal Twitter page, not my personal Twitter page. And then also make sure that you guys uh, are uh, 
going and subscribing to the podcast so that you don't miss any of the editions. Not every edition of the basketball one will be on video. So make sure that you uh, have the audio edition downloaded and in your podcast library, wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss any editions of it. Also, if you are a listener to the podcast, uh, make sure that you are uh, subscribed. Uh, you know, both, both podcasts are on every major podcasting platform, so make sure you check it out. So, once again, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. I uh, want to thank Josh Roasting with me. want to thank you guys for watching, listening, being involved, all that great stuff tonight. Uh, but for now, we say so long, and as always, go Tories!